it's okay if you're struggling or it's okay if you're different or it's, it's okay to try your best. It's okay to take a break and we can feel like it's not or it's scary. And sometimes you just need someone to be like, I just need to remind you of something you already know. What is going on, everyone? Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 233 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode 233, I am chatting with Coach Chris Bennett. He is Nike Running's global head coach, a favorite past guest of the show, and I could not be more elated to have him back in the hot seat. We had the opportunity to recently sit down over at Nike Global HQ on one of his favorite weekends of the year, and that would be Nike Cross Nationals. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with NXN, which is Nike Cross Nationals, let me give you the deets. Essentially, NXN started 17 years ago to find the best high school cross-country runners in the nation, put them on the same starting line, and uh, let them test their limits. Now, today, NXN has grown to inspire nearly, goodness, 20 thousand athletes. This was my second trip out to Oregon for NXN. And both times I a hundred percent stood next to the finish line crying like a baby. And that's because it is just so beyond inspiring to see the future of sport chasing after their big potential. You all know about how I feel about empowering women in sport. And these young women come together from all around the country and support one another and lift each other up and chase after their big goals. And it is just awe-inspiring. Not to mention, it is just really awesome to see a brand like Nike getting behind these young, talented athletes. I feel like I've been a part of so many conversations lately talking about how we can uplift women in sport and find equality and sport. And a big part of that is investing in sport, right? And so for Nike to invest in bringing, goodness, like creativity, innovation, and again, dollars to running for these young athletes is just really, really great. Okay, okay, off of my soapbox, let's talk about Coach Bennett. So excited, like I said, to have him back on the show today. We're catching up about everything. We're talking about what's been going on since we last connected for last year's Turning the Page series. Coach is telling me why NXN means so much to him personally. This year, two of his daughters have the privilege of racing. He's also talking to me about how running really shifted over the pandemic and what he is seeing in terms of trends when it comes to what athletes are asking him for, what support they are truly looking for. Of course, as always with Coach Bennett, it is about running. It's not about running, which means that there's a lot of inspiring tidbits. Whether or not you identify as a runner, Coach Bennett has got you covered to motivate you toward whatever it is that is on your radar. I do have to give credit where credit is due. Coach Bennett has helped me lace up and get outside via the Nike Run Club app. So many amazing understatement audio guided runs in there to help you get started no matter where you are on your journey. Different lengths too, important to note definitely check it out. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle on social. It's over at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Avadi. I am so happy to bring you this content. With that, let's get to one of my favorite conversations of 2022. Let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Coach Chris Bennett. I always feel compelled to use your first name mm -hmm. because, like, you are a real person. 
And I'd like to think so. You know, so many people just call you Coach B, Coach Bennett, but I believe in the episode title from round one, I did use Chris Bennett. I don't even know if it led with coach. I wanted to humanize you. I appreciate that. It's weird. Honestly, it's weird hearing my first name. So actually, it's it's nice. I enjoy it. I enjoy hearing it sometimes. I enjoy hearing it sometimes. Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. So thanks for happening. Thanks for happening. No, thanks for having me. You I see, mean, I'm already, I'm, I'm too excited. I can't even speak. I this is going to be great editing for you. <laughs> I guess at one point or another, I did happen and I'm still happening. Yes. I'm with yes. it. You're always happening. Always happening. Yes. We are sitting here at Nike Global HQ with a pretty dope view at the moment in the Serena building. Yes, it is. It's imp- it's wildly impressive. And it and it it never gets less impressive, which is pretty cool cuz I've been up here a few times and I'm still noticing things for the first time. Well, your desk is in this building. It is, which just tells you how impressive it is and I'm I'm not bored with where I work, which is pretty wild. Not many people can say that. And we are sitting here big weekend. It's a yes. big weekend because it is NXN weekend. For those that don't know, why don't you fill us in on what NXN is? Well, first of all, how do you not know? Okay. I mean, so your life is about to get a lot better uh, finding out that NXN is happening this weekend. So Nike Cross National started in 2004 and the 22 best boys teams and the 22 best girls teams and the 45 best individuals on the girls and the boys side get to come out to Portland and take a starting line to see who actually is the best team on the girls' side and the boys' side and who is the best cross-country runner on the girls' and the boys' side. And as a uh, former cross-country runner in high school, uh, before there was an NXN, every year ended basically at your state championship. But you had this conversation of what if, what if, and I was from New Jersey, what if we got to race the teams from Illinois that we heard about that were so good or Texas or California? But there was no opportunity. Mm-hmm. There was there there was no meet. So it just it ended. It ended as just a dream and a conversation that you would have on a long run every year. Are we better than them? And and then in two thousand four, um, Nike started. It was called Nike Team Nationals at the time. Since then, there has been an answer to those hypothetical questions. They're no longer hypothetical. It's it's it's, it's decided in Portland in December, and that is happening this weekend. I think it's the coolest thing we do by far. Um, I'm biased. It doesn't mean I'm wrong, though. Um, but that's that's what's happening this weekend. And I know that's a long answer, but I really want my answer to be even longer. So I'm going to self-edit and stop talking. So the 45 individuals, you yes. can be an individual that comes to NXN, but your team might not come. Yeah. So the 45 in- individuals are picked basically at the there's an NXR, uh, Nike Cross Regionals. There's eight of them. And then there's the state of California because their state meet is is very late. So it's pulled from their state meet. So the top two teams at each regional automatically get in. And then the top five individuals at each regional that did not qualify in a team, they qualify. So it's a way for you if your team was not um, able to qualify, but you were one of the best individuals, you get to come. And then you represent the region. So if you're watching, you'll see that there's 22 teams on the girl side. And then there are a number of regions. There's a California region, a Northwest region, a Southeast, so on and so forth to make up the 45 individuals. So even the individuals that show up, they're basically on, they, they become a part of their regional team of individuals. So it's, it's a lot of fun to see them actually get together and have that pride of representing their region. Uh, your excitement is contagious. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm excited to be here with you this weekend. I, I came here for the first time to see NXN, I believe it's 2019, about four, three. I've lost all track of time. Yes. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, I've been here before and I just remember being so moved having not really participated in team sports in Mm -hmm. high school extensively to come here and see how impactful it is, especially for the young women. I mean, I'm just, it's like tugs at the heartstrings, tears, the whole nine. Yeah, Yeah. it is. It's I've, I've yet to meet someone who has attended NXN as, as a fan or as a participant or as a coach that hasn't left changed. I mean, like, and it sounds like a little cheesy, but it's real. I mean, people walk out and they are just blown away. And I think part of it, to your point, is the age group that you're watching. Yeah. I mean, 14 to 18 is a treacherous age. They've got a lot thrown at them. I mean, as adults, I think we think we've got a lot thrown at us. Well, they've got a lot more than we've got. And to see 
what they're doing, not just on race day, but then you you have time as you're walking back to the car, I hope, to think about what it took for them to get here. Yeah. And you see what it that basically they're they're digging deep, but they're going past what it means to do something for themselves. I mean, the the efforts they're giving surpass what you would do for yourself. And you can tell it's they're doing it for their team. Mm-hmm. And that, that is what is so utterly powerful. It is what they are willing to do for each other and the joy they have, mm-hmm. you know, battling and struggling and breaking through for each other. That's, I think, it's impossible to walk away and not realize like, okay, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of good stuff happening in this world. And, you, you can, and that's, I think, the power of sports. If you leave the great part about sport at the court or the course or the trail or the pitch, then then the sport is not achieving what it's supposed to. It should it should bleed into the rest of your day and the rest of your life. And I think that's one of the cool things about NXN. Nobody who has been a part of it leaves and and doesn't bring it into the rest of their day. Yeah. And I mean, to an extent, if we transfer this to maybe like the marathon for someone who's never seen yeah. a cross-country meet of any sort, you go to a marathon and so often, you know, when you're walking down the street, when it's all said and done, if you're spectating, you're hearing people say, wow, I'm either like, I'm going to do that next year or like, how motivating was that? And we we hear year after year, you know, especially during fall season when marathons are at their height, it's like, an opportunity for us to all come together and lift one another up, support one another and do it in a way that it's like all of these people, all these different backgrounds, uh, you know, genders, whatever, however you identify in each and every way, it's like an opportunity for us all to come together. Absolutely. And it doesn't, and that's the thing that is, is really, to me is really powerful. It's, it's not that you walk away from something like watching a marathon or NXN and you go for a run. Like you, you just, you, you're just, a better person. So that may, I mean, like for me, it's like I, I go home and I'll probably do the dishes because I'm like, you know what? The dishes need to be done and the kitchen's going to look better if I do the dishes. So I'm going to do the damn dishes. And <laughs> it's because of what I saw at NXN that the sink is clean. I'm sure that Tammy appreciates that. She does appreciate it, you know? And I think that's why she's like, yes, we're going to NXN every single year because that's the one time the kitchen is cleaned. But the, it, it, it does translate to so many different things. It's, it's, it's hard to see how you know, these athletes will will run for each other and not hopefully become a better teammate to the people in your life. And you don't have to share a jersey to be a teammate. It could be your family. It could be, you know, your friends. We have lots of different teams that we, you know, quote unquote, run for. Uh, that's, I think, the magic of these events, just like the marathon. Totally, totally. And for you, I mean, aside from the fact that your wife lets you come here so that you go home and clean the kitchen, you also have your daughters running this year. How does that feel for you? Yeah. I mean, the, the nice thing is, is I, my wife is just as big a fanatic about NXN as I am. So that that helps a lot. And yeah, so my my daughter Maggie is a senior and my daughter Emma is a sophomore and they will be racing uh, for what will be known as the Portland um, team, which is Jesuit High School. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's I, I, I haven't processed that. I won't really be able to process it until tomorrow. But in 2019, the last time you were here, my son Jack, who was a junior, and my daughter Maggie, who was a freshman, ran. And I have coached teams at NXN. And that I was unprepared for that because I had seen it as a coach. Um, I had understood what it meant as an athlete, but as a parent, it was, it was different. And it wasn't even the race. The race was probably the, the, the least memorable part for me. Mm. And they ran great, but it was, that wasn't, it was the, the little things I was seeing. It was, you know, the magic of being announced and running down the, the straightaway with their team, I, uh, dropping them off at the hotel as they walk in and seeing the banners and the, these other great teams. And just, it was a mixture of, I think, awe and excitement and, and pride that I could tell, which is really what you want your kids to experience in life. So those are the moments to me, and they were the same ones that when I brought teams here stick out. The races, I have a, a grand total of maybe like six minutes of race memories of having you know, coached five teams being here and, and attended a ton of these. I don't remember the races very much, but I can tell you a ton of little moments before and after the race that stick with me that that are probably the most powerful parts anyway. What does unprepared mean to you? For this? 
for race. well for the fact that you said you came in unprepared right you came in unprepared as a parent to see them kind of take in those moments so what does unprepared mean well i think unprepared meant for how much it was it was going to move me um i get overly emotional at these things anyway i'm a very cheesy person so i i was it, it happened when i was coaching kids like that was really powerful and i think i have uh a, a very uh good ability to step back sometimes in the moment and kind of just understand how big a deal this is which i'm very thankful for because i think too often people experience really great moments and it it takes them time to understand that. So they have to look back from a distance. I can kind of understand in the moment, like this is, this is really cool. Where do you think that ability comes from? Um, I honestly, I think it, it's, it's probably a lot of uh, reading and, and being kind of a movie fan and, uh, and enjoying just powerful things. Like I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm cheesy. Like I have, I, I I want to be moved and I want to be inspired and I want to be motivated. I, I want to read into lyrics too much. Um, so I think I'm always looking for those things. I don't, I think it's nothing more than just that. It's just, I'm on the lookout to be inspired. So when I see these things and for instance, um, you know, if you go, if you go to really any cross country meet, uh, it is to your point, it's a, it's a true team sport. A lot of times people focus on the race, what happens between the starting line and the finish line. There are incredibly beautiful things happening before and after. I mean, stick around for five minutes before and you'll see all the athletes do their strides and then they come together as a team of seven and they put their arms around each other and you don't know what they're saying, but I've been in the huddle, I know what they're saying. They're basically telling each other that they can do this. They're looking at each other, they're making eye contact and usually the huddle breaks with them telling each other that they love each other. Like that is incredibly badass. And if you're on a sideline and you see huddle after huddle after huddle and you realize all these kids are saying that to each other and then you think about what happened well, well before this starting line that they're at, the Friday nights that they were doing strides in the parking lot during the summer when friends were out, the Saturday mornings they were waking up really early when friends were sleeping in because they met with each other. And all of this leads to them having this huddle that we're here and we're going to do it for each other because that's what it comes down to, which is it's going to be hard. There's going to be a moment of doubt. And the way that we're going to get through that is if we decide we're not doing this for ourselves, we're doing it for each other. We're doing it for the team. That's five minutes before the race has even started. Yeah. And then at the end, you see that the, this, these moments where they cross the finish line and it's carnage, they are on the ground. But what's beautiful is, they're all picking each other up. They're hugging each other. Like it is, it's about five minutes of pure beauty. Mm -hmm. And if you hang out there and you're not looking at the stupid clock, but you're watching this, it's impossible not to leave and say, wow, I'm glad I hung out and watched that. And I, and I, and I was told on this podcast that this was going to happen, but I was unprepared <laughs> for the beauty I saw. You know, wouldn't it be a, I'm thinking about this and in, in context of like the individual, right? And like, what a, a beautiful thing that at that age, like such an important age, although all of them important in their own right, to have so many people that say, I love you and I support you. But what if we were to go into some of our biggest life hurdles or our biggest life moments and say that to ourselves, right? So often we talk and we hear about that negative self-talk, but if we were to tow the starting line of our own race, whether it be an actual running race or perhaps a big job interview or something and go into that moment and say something like, I love you. Like, yeah. I'm so proud of you for showing up here today. And regardless of how it goes, if at the end of it, then you say, you did the best you could with what you had. And Absolutely. like, be proud of that. And again, it's so difficult sometimes in those high stress moments to greet yourself with like grace and love. But if we were to pony up and do it that way, like how much better would we be? Absolutely. I mean, it's, that's why, you know, if, if what you're learning and improving at doesn't get taken off the course, then there's a missed opportunity. I mean, that's the thing where I was mentioning, like, this is, this is the memory bank stuff. And it's hopefully pulled out at that moment where you are being a terrible teammate to yourself. And you, the, but hopefully this is where this 16 year old on Saturday, 10, 20 years from now, or 
10 or 20 hours from now who is going through a struggle realizes, you know, I have to support myself the way that I support my teammates and the way my teammates support me. And if you can do that, then then that's why this the 5K race, like, I, yeah, again, not to get overly cheesy, but there's stuff written all over the walls here at, at Nike. And I'm one of the people who actually, you know, like I, I get into it. I believe it. Like, that's why there is no finish line. Like, this is this is why those moments need to extend well beyond the, the fully automatic time that you got. So if that lesson ends at 18 minutes and 37 seconds, it wasn't a very good lesson. Mm-hmm. The lesson needs to go well beyond the stop of the clock. So I love this language of being your own teammate like yes so beautiful in life to find those people that you can truly call teammates supporters people that truly stand for you but thinking about that thinking about that lesson of the importance of being your own teammate of being your own biggest hype man that's some good stuff oh it's massive and we all we all at some point there's less opportunities to be surrounded by a team like we had when we were 16 or if you're lucky to run in college or if you're on a a club team or you're part of a crew like that's great and you have to you have to you know hunt out those tribes for yourself but the reality is you get to a certain point and whether it's the opportunities or you believe the opportunities are less there there isn't that team aspect where you have someone who is there who feels like it is a part of their job as your teammate to boost you up when you're starting to slip to carry you when you can't go on and the you know kind of the contract is is i'll do the same for you mm-hmm. but if you don't have teammates surrounding you then hopefully the lesson is is that like i i can do this for myself if i need to which is that's that's powerful we need to be reminded of that because even when you're on a great team we can still be shitty teammates to each other right so that's not going to change it's just do you have enough leadership in that team and power in that team to to then right the ship and that's the same whether you're you're talking about yourself as a teammate or you're talking about a team full of different individuals. So yeah, super important, super important, you know, reminiscent here, this conversation talking about teammates and supporting yourself, bring it back to maybe the last time we spoke, which was during the pandemic, uh, your first time on the show during that time when so many of us were really learning how to be our own teammate, right? Like put in situations that we had uh, had really never been in before, tested in a way that we had never been tested before. Catch us up a little bit on some highlights. Like what's, what's Coach B been up to? What's he been working on in the last couple of years? Um, this is going to sound boring, but more, more of the same. I mean, that's the, the, that for me, the, the, the biggest change that occurred from my job in COVID was, I think, that it was more, not, not so much accessible. I think it was people were more open to what was really being said. I mean, if you get rid of all of the races in the world, suddenly the only purpose for running can no longer be, I want to run my fastest 5K or I want to do a marathon. And when the entire globe is dealing with an incredible amount of stress and fear, suddenly going for a run to try to get faster seems a little silly, or maybe it's at least it's not at the top of the list anymore. So some of the conversations that I had been having for a couple of years, I think just resonated a little more. Mm. And really, at the end of the day, it's it's just giving yourself more excuses to go for a run. But for me, it was just, I think a lot of people allowed themselves to go for runs for more reasons. And as a result, you know, I think we might have hinted at this last time, but now we can actually look back a little bit and actually confirm it. There have been a number of running revolutions. There's been a number of running booms. Most of them have focused on performance. Most of them have, whether it was the first one, which was going from, you know, no such thing as really communal jogging or community jogging. It was if you're going to run, then you're on a, literally on a team. And that was the first running boom that we can actually go out and we can get fitter. Okay. And that led to another running boom, which was racing. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly everyone wanted to race. And then there was another running boom of the marathon in the early 80s where everyone suddenly wanted to do a marathon. So all of these booms have really just been about literally just the running aspect mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. 
I'm running to get physically fitter or I'm running to get faster and I want to compete. This was the first time that there was literally a boom based on all the other shit that you get out of running, mm -hmm. like which is massive. And from a coaching perspective, that's the stuff that there, there is no you know, date of expiration for that. Like if you're only running to get faster, like I got a newsflash, like at some point, like it's not going to be able to be about just that, which means you're not gonna have the excuse, the motivation to go for a run because you're like, I'm never gonna run another 5K faster than I did. Okay, well now what? Well, if that's all you want, there isn't anything left for you in right. the sport, which is really sad. But if you're going out there because you're saying, you know, I, I need to know I accomplished something today or I need to deal with some stress or I want to explore a part of my neighborhood or it's my opportunity to be outside and be around people because there was a period where running was an excuse to be around people because you couldn't be around people inside. Think about that. Like yeah. there, there's no expiration date for that. It doesn't matter if you're 15, 25, 65 or 105, like going out to relieve some stress. You can always do that. Yeah. Which means you can always come back a little bit better as long as you're not measuring it just on, am I getting faster? Am I going further? And I think to me, that's, that's been what I've been up to because more and more people have realized that more and more people are going after it. And this is the cool part when you are during a phase in your life where it is one of the top reasons is to get faster. If you include these other reasons as potential excuses to go for a run, you're going to have better runs. You're going to get faster. So running to go out and relieve stress will make you a better runner. There is a, there, there's nothing you're going to lose mm -hmm. by expanding the reasons why you go for a run and making it about more than just the, you know, the pace, the distance and all that stuff. So, um, it's, it's made, it's made my life a little bit easier, mm -hmm. which is nice. Yeah. I mean, it also probably has really shaped the way that you think about and create content for NRC, right? Because now these people that were maybe sipping the Kool-Aid before, but are now like full on like drinking it by the gallon are coming to you and saying exactly what it is that they want and what they need to continue in their pursuit of run with that diverse list of reasons as to why they're getting out there and lacing up in the first place. Yeah. And, and to that point, I, also, I don't have to um, explain why certain runs are, are needed. You know, like the uh, back in like 2017, it was one of the first runs was the don't want to run run. And it was like, do you do we really need a don't want to run run? I'm like, yeah, because most people's runs are don't want to run runs. <laughs> but you can take that out to something like the thank you run, which was oh, what is what is that about? Classic. But it was because this is a, a really good thing to talk about. So we just had our, our fifth kind of thank you run, which is like 30-minute thank yous. But those are the types of runs that are also the ones that get done over and over and over again. And I think it's also because we're human beings and we all go through a lot of stuff. And this is a roller coaster of ups and downs. Yeah. And it doesn't always mean that they're you know, substantial downs or incredible highs, but it is rolling, but it's also good, good lessons. I mean, the, as, as a former teacher, I mean, you know, a lot of teaching is repetition um, because the best lessons often, you know, you need to remind people of. So those are the types of things. I mean, and you're right. I mean, over just the past couple of months, I mean, one of the biggest runs we ever had was, it came out just a few months ago called the It's Okay 5K, which is really just me coming in 30 times over the course of this 5k telling you like it's it's okay if you're struggling or it's okay if you're different or it's it's okay to try your best it's mm -hmm. okay to take a break you know i think we forget sometimes like the, all that seems really obvious doesn't it like, so like, it's so I, interesting to hear you say that sometimes the biggest lessons that we learn are are worth repeating like we need them repeated yeah because those are the ones that are so obvious you eventually take them for granted and those are the ones that you just overlook so i mean like there isn't one thing in the it's okay 5k that I think if I were to write down, you'd be like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Of course it's okay to be different, but we can forget that mm -hmm. and we can feel like it's not or right. it's scary. And sometimes you just need someone to be like, I just need to remind you of something you already know. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's the epiphany. It's just, it's just relearning something that you, you, you once knew 
and have since kind of parked somewhere back in your mind and hidden under a lot of garbage. Yeah, a lot of garbage, you know, as a coach, not just over on Nike Run Club, but then also you mentioned bringing a slew of teams here to NXN. You know, you have certainly been a role model for so for so many. So how does it feel for you to to be a role model and to tag on to that? What would you say or who would you say have been some of yours? Well, that's a good question. I don't know if I've ever, that's, a, that's a, you know, not to jump on what we were just talking about. It seems like that would be an obvious question for me to get asked. And I don't think I've ever been asked that question. So cheers to you. Wow. That's a, that's pound a it. there we go. Too bad um, this isn't on video. That was a great pound. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, since I taught and coached in high school, um, I didn't look at it really as being a role model. I, I looked at it really as part of the job description. Like if, if you are, if you are in a position and a lot of times you get put in a position, whether you're a teacher or a coach, whether you deserve it or not, you're in a position of leadership. You're in a position of authority. You have a, a, an element of power over the individuals that you're, uh, been tasked with, with taking care of your caretaker. Um, so to me, you know, it might not be written in the job description, but I don't know if anyone really has a job description where most of what you're, you're tasked with is actually written into the job description. So I don't think there's, when I became a teacher or a coach, one of them said role model. Can you imagine if it was like, you must be role yeah, model right? material? Yeah. It's, but I don't know how you could take that role and not assume that they're, that you are going to inspire the people in your charge to either do the right thing or the wrong thing. Definitely. And I don't think you can ask people to do things when you're in a position of authority or leadership and then not hold yourself to the same standard. So to me, it was, it was just, uh, again, I think I had the luxury because I was, I was working with kids that, the, the obligation that you have to them is it's, I don't understand how anyone could not realize the incredible power they have over these individuals and you can really screw things up. And then on top of that, it goes so far beyond practice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's one thing to say like, well, for two hours, I'm going to make you a better runner and a better teammate. And we're going to, you know, focus on this, but you'd have to be lying to yourself to not understand that whatever happens after in practice, extends itself outside of practice and leads right into the next practice. Mm -hmm. So whatever you're doing at practice, the assumption should be that they're leaving better in some way. But that means, you know, you, you have to hold yourself to a certain standard where everyone's leaving better for having been with you. And the ultimate standard, I think, if a coach is, is everyone who leaves should need you less. If, if your team is relying on you more and more and more, the more they work with you, I think you're a pretty crappy coach. I mm. mean, by the end, they shouldn't really need you at all. It should really just be you're there to kind of, again, reaffirm lessons they already know. You can be uh, someone there for them to lean on, ask for advice. But so to me, like that's that was a role model. I don't know if I ever used that term, which is so weird that you're asking this. But yeah, that's 100%. I just assumed that if I was going to coach and I was going to teach, then I absolutely had to be a role model, 100%. Um, I was lucky because I was, I was fourth out of five kids. So I had an older sister and three older brothers, or two older brothers, I'm sorry, a younger brother also. And whether, they real, whether a sibling realizes it or not too, you look up to them. Totally. Not just physically, like you look up to them. So how they carry themselves is really important. Um, so I lucked out there. My parents, <clears throat> I think most parents realize that they're role models. Um, so I looked up to them. So, I mean, just the people that you're around a lot. And then I had, um, a few teachers that, that stood out more than some others, but I, I, I always kind of held the teachers to a standard, whether they knew it or not. Um, and more often than not, they upheld it. But on the flip side, I also learned when you have good role models, you can have people in that exact same position that can be really bad ones. So sometimes like really good lessons also tell you not just what to do, they should tell you what not to do. And also really crappy lessons don't just teach you what not to do, they teach you what to do. So by having a really good teacher, I knew what a good teacher now does and what a good teacher does not do. Mm -hmm. And I've had bad teachers that berate kids and make them feel stupid 
And as a result, I knew that's what not to do. That doesn't lead to better performance. That just leads to a kid who's scared to raise their hand, which is the opposite of what you want. So, yeah, I mean, there's a difference between knowing and executing, though, right? Like you may know, but if you look at your moral compass and your values and and how you want to execute, that is kind of where that power lies. Also, I've really been thinking about what you just said two minutes ago, saying that a good coach or maybe a good leader, the people that they work with over time need them less. Yes. And I'm thinking about that in context to maybe like bring it to adulthood and mentors. I don't know if maybe it's just the shift in the language where it's you need, you don't need them so to speak, because Mm -hmm. you start to create and pave your own way. But I do believe that you still desire that connection because this person so truly inspires you to step into the beauty that is your best self. Oh, absolutely. I think it's just the, I mean, you just described it. I think what happens is the relationship changes where, I mean, like, honestly, if you're, if you're a teacher or you're a coach, Mm -hmm. the goal really should be not only do they need you less and less, but they're better at whatever you're coaching them or teaching them to do than you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is like as a visual, it is you should be thinking, I'm handing the baton off to you and there are gonna be things that I can't achieve that you can. I mean, that is, so there's a level of humility there as well, but also that doesn't mean that the relationship has to stay the same because as you become equals or as you actually become like the assistant coach to you know your, your athlete, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you can't offer incredible things. And like I said, sometimes you, you shift from like, when I was coaching high school, I spent way more time with the freshmen than I did the seniors. But what I was giving the seniors was different than what I was giving the freshmen. I was giving the freshmen kind of like, this is how to run the right way. This is, I want you to fall in love with the sport. For the seniors, it was navigating some maybe some things outside of the sport. Um, it was showing them that what it means to now be a leader to other kids on the team. So it's just what you're teaching is different. Yeah. And then eventually, you just be, you become equals, and you become colleagues, and you can become friends. But that's that's down the road, and it doesn't mean you have anything less to offer. It just means what you're offering is different. Yeah. That's all. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsors. First up, let's talk about Open. Open is a digital mindfulness platform combining breathwork, meditation, and movement. I have been loving Open. That feels like such an understatement. There are three apps I use without a day on my phone, and they are in no specific order. The Whoop app, the Open app, and the Future app. These have completely revolutionized my wellness routine. Open offers unlimited live and on-demand breathwork meditation, yoga, Pilates, and more. And through Open, you can connect directly with your teachers during in-class live streams. I, myself, wake up every day, grab my Nespresso, and do between five and eight minutes of breathwork, again, every single morning to clear my head and help me get ready for the day. It truly blows my mind that that is a sentence in my vocabulary because up until I started using Open, I was, I felt incapable of doing breathwork, quote unquote, right. This has been so transformative for me. It helps me think more clearly. It helps me feel better in my body and it helps me stay calm during some of those really chaotic times, AKA the holiday season, a great time to get on the breathwork bandwagon. Let's take a class together. Open is given Hurdle listeners 30 days free when you visit withopen.com slash hurdle. Again, you can join me on Open by going to withopen.com slash hurdle. Let me know what y'all think and I'll see you in class. Also, have to give some love to my friends at Gooder. If you are still looking for the perfect holiday gift, I have a feeling that Gooder sunglasses are it. Not only are Gooder sunglasses polarized, no bounce, no scratch, but they are also at a really great price point starting at just $25. There is a shape and style for every single person. Me, myself, I love the Operation Blackout, which is like an oversized aviator, but they've also got one called the $9 pour over. It's like a tortoise shell round shape. 
and I put those on and I instantly feel like a cooler version of myself. These made for someone with an active lifestyle, perfect for a weekend bike ride or long run or simply running to catch the subway. Head on over to gooder.com slash hurdle and use the code hurdle at checkout to get free shipping on your order today. Again, that is G-O-O-D-R.com slash hurdle. Use hurdle at checkout for free shipping. I mean, so many metaphors in here, obviously, as always, it's about running. It's not about running. You also use the phrase here, pass the baton, appropriate for a question that I want to ask you about kind of where we're heading, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. we think about what running looks like now, and you described this most recent running boom being so beautiful and that it's about so many other things aside from what we, quote unquote, used to worry about, right? So knowing that, where do you believe or what are your hopes for maybe the next 50 in terms of running? Well, I, I think one of the things that I've noticed just in the last, let's say, 10 years, and I think that gives you kind of a clue to, to where maybe the next 10 years are going, then you can kind of expand from there. Um, and I'll just use a, an example of, of NXN and then you can kind of expand it out because I think anytime you see certain things occurring, especially in sport, there's obviously more to the story than just a a simplistic uh, explanation of it. So I'll start with the simple aspect. If you were to look at the girls' race this year, there are a dozen teams that would have been good enough to win 10 years ago, okay? So the depth is is mind-blowing right now. So if you were to get out of a time machine from like 2012 to 2022, you'd show up in 2022 and just your mind would be blown of just just how many great runners there are and how many good teams there are. So what that means is that there's a a lot more great running happening out there in the country, which if you just go to a track meet or a cross country meet, you can tell there's a lot more kids coming out for the sport, which means there's probably a lot more opportunities. I mean, cross country is one of the few sports that has team sports that has continued to grow year after year after year after year. Same thing with indoor track. Outdoor track is the highest participatory sport in all of high school when you put in boys and girls track and field. So to me, what I'm seeing is that more kids are taking the opportunity to give this sport a shot for a lot of different reasons. And I think part of it is is because there's more opportunities at the middle school level. I think there's more opportunities to compete at different levels. I think there's better coaching now. So I think there's a progression because what that means, though, is that there were less opportunities. There wasn't as good coaching. Um, There weren't as many excuses to go for a run. There weren't as many starting lines available for everyone. So I think that, to me, is probably the most exciting aspect because it doesn't matter if you're going for like a run in Central Park. It doesn't matter if you're at NXN. It doesn't matter where you're going for a run. There are more people running. It looks different. It sounds different, Mm -hmm. and as a result, more people are running, and the running's getting better. So to me, just like to to make this about running and not about running, um, the best way to get better at running is to diversify your training, okay? Don't run 5K every day at the same pace at the same time on the same course. Mix things up. Do speed runs. Do long runs. Do fart lick. Run in neighborhoods that you've never been in. Run with people. Run alone. Run in the morning. Run at night. Mix up your pace. Mix up the terrain. You know, have some fun racing. Like that's how you get better at running. It's also how you keep running exciting and not going stale. It's the same thing with the people on a starting line. Like diversify the people doing the sport, and you're going to have a better sport. Mm -hmm. If it's the same group at the same time, running the same way, talking the same way, sounding the same way, like the sport will go stale. Mm -hmm. And I think right now there's a lot of excitement around this sport because there are more starting lines opening up. I think what needs to happen is that just needs to be amplified. I think it's exciting and it's a challenge. It's a challenge to say, yes, things are diversifying in the sport of running, but now not to just put the car in neutral. This is where you put your pedal down and you say, okay, let's open up as many opportunities and as many starting lines for as many people as possible because this is a really, really great sport for everyone to be a part of. Okay, so I have to challenge you real quick. Okay. 
Running USA's 2020 National Runner Survey found that only 3% of all US runners are black. Yeah. How do we include and open up more starting lines for not only people of color, but maybe LGBTQ, mm -hmm. et cetera, uh, marginalized groups that have a vested interest perhaps in sport, but maybe haven't found their comfortability in it just yet. Well, I think it goes to supporting them where they are. I mean, cause this is the thing. And if you want to run, you have to be comfortable. Okay. It's, it's no different than if it's, if it's cold out and you don't have the right gear, you're not going to go for a run. Mm -hmm. If it's dark and you don't feel safe, you're not going to go for a run. So if you don't feel comfortable as who you are, we're not talking about weather now, which can be fixed with a jacket. And we're not talking about the lighting, which can be fixed by the time of the day or a light bulb. We're talking about who you personally are. Mm -hmm. If you don't feel safe for whatever reason going for a run, you're not going to run. But the way you make that, feel, that person feel safe is you don't say, we want you to come here with these people over there. You do all the work. It's how do we make it as easy as possible for someone to go for a run, right. feel comfortable and end it saying, I felt good. I want to do that again. Yeah. But this is where I think the sport as a whole has screwed up for 50 years. It's not about getting someone to run. It's that that's not the answer. It's about getting someone to want to run again, mm -hmm. which means that run has to be a good run. And you can only have a good run if you end it wanting to run again, which means you have to feel comfortable about who you are. If every time you show up for a run and you have to pretend you're something you're not, if every time you go for a run and you don't feel comfortable, if every time you go for a run and feel, I can't be who I truly am, you're not going to come back for a run. I mean, this is the other thing that I'll say, because I, I think this is super important. And I've, I've said this before, but I think for right now, the moment is, is, is a good one to say it. You should end a run closer to who you fully are. Every single run should end that way. It doesn't mean every run's going to feel good physically. Like, I felt great and I got a runner's high, you know, which I think I've had like twice in my life, I think. And I'm probably <laughs> lying about that. But you should end it feeling closer to who you feel you were meant to be. That will never happen if the entire time you're on a run, you're pretending you're something you're not. Or you're like concerned for your safety. I mean, heck, this is Absolutely. like such a such a topic right now, especially like with women in sport. We Absolutely. had a huge conversation about it in New York re recently, and it's it's challenging right now to go out there and feel like the whole time you're not like kind of looking over your shoulder a little bit. But I I totally hear yeah. you in this like getting to the end of the run and feeling just like so much more even more just like a little bit more whole than you did when you yes. started. That, that, I mean, that is the, the definition of recovery is to take back something that was lost or stolen. Most of your running should be recovery runs. Taking you should be back going... something that was lost or stolen. So yes. like, okay. So expand that out. I mean, yeah. that, that is, to me, that is the true definition of a recovery run, that by the end of it, you have brought something back that was yours. And we're not even talking about like, just like muscle situation. Oh, no, 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 here. I'm talking about the opposite. Oh, yeah, yeah the I'm talking thing. about totally different. The like with this, thing. I'm not talking about anything physical right now. Totally. I mean, the, 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 you will not get the pure, the, the, the most benefit out of a recovery run if you think it's just recovering from a hard effort or an anticipation of a next hard effort. A recovery run is about taking back what was lost or stolen during the day to make you more wholly you then you can get into the physical aspects. But if you're not starting with that, then you're not really achieving the purpose of a recovery run. But if you're already starting a run, having to slice off a part of your identity, then the, rec then the run isn't going to bring that back. Right. So you never want to end the run with less. You always want to end the run with more of the good stuff. But in order to do that, to your point, yeah, you, you have to feel comfortable. You mm -hmm. have to feel safe. You can't recover when you're tense, when you're anxious, when you're stressed, or when you're lying to yourself or other people, which is not how it's supposed to be. And that's, that is super important. Yeah. I'd be remiss, global head coach, Nike running. How would you say, we're talking about accessibility here. So how would you say that Nike is making sport accessible for every athlete, right? And using that innovation then to grow community when it comes to running. 
Well, I, th I think some of it is, I mean, education gets a bad rap as a word. Everyone thinks it's so boring, you know? You can't get a teacher sitting down with me and telling me that education yeah, is I a know. bad word. It's not boring. It's awesome. It's awesome, you know? Because, I mean, basically education is just code for sharing, you know, wisdom or insights or learned experiences and all that. So, I mean, I'll tell you some of the things that, I mean, I've personally been very proud to be a part of. Um, we've worked over the last two years to put out a lot of runs um, on running during, before, during, and after pregnancy. I think we have about 10 runs. Uh, some of it is running during the, the first trimester or running during the third trimester and beyond. Some of it is pregnancies and long runs and pregnancies and speed runs because these are the things that I get asked a lot like, okay, I'm pregnant. Can I still run? Can I still do speed runs? Can I do long runs? And as you can tell, a lot of it is not anything more than just, I don't know, which is huge. And this is a, a great starting point with running. Most people hate running or don't think that running is for them because they don't know how to run or they don't feel like they have an invitation to join. So part of it is inviting people to join, which is huge, and telling them that, by the way, they never needed the invite. You know, like they've always had it, like they have a place on the starting line already booked. It's there. But the other part, a lot of is education. And then some of it is just the opportunity. So if you look at the NTC, which is kind of our sister app with NRC, there are adaptive workouts in there. Stands for Nike Training Club. Nike Training Club. There you go. So, I mean, but those are the types of things that, you know, after they're in there, you, you think like, how, how have they not always been in there? It's mm -hmm. the same thing of how does everyone not know whether or not they can run when they're pregnant. It's because obviously the information's not out there. So part of it is getting the information out there. It's the same thing as if you're at a track and you're standing at a starting line saying, where is everybody? And you realize, well, did you invite anyone? No. So you can sit around and you can wait for people to figure out that they can show up at a starting line or you can get off your ass and you can start inviting people. Mm -hmm. And then you can say, well, what happened? Well, they showed up and they went for a run and they hated it. Well, whose fault is that? Well, if you know how to run, and part of your obligation is to share the wisdom. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, you walk around every, every, if you have a body, you're an athlete. I love the line, but everyone can be a teacher. All it is is sharing information. It's sharing it. And that is the key. The key word is sharing, because when you share, there's no expectation of getting something in return. And I think as a runner, if you love this sport, part of the obligation is to give back to it, which is to get more people to a starting line. So I think that's part of it. And also, I think the messaging, which I'm really proud of in NRC, I think if, if, if I were to leave Nike today, that would be what I'm most proud of is from day one, I was like, this is going to be human. It's going to be empathetic and it's going to be open. And it's not going to be about the type of shoe you're in. It's not going to be about where you're running. It's not going to be about your pace. It's not going to be about how fast you are. It's going to lead with the, that human element of it. And I think that's always an open invitation when you start with that, because it, it's not how fast or how far we're going. It's just, have you struggled? Everyone can say yes to that. You know, do you want to feel successful? Everyone wants to. Are you a little nervous? Okay, we share that. And I think that's kind of the thing that we have to remember. It's, there's room on the starting line for everybody, but it, I think it starts with at least letting people know that because most people are not on the starting line yeah. and they don't know. Yeah. Have you struggled? An important question, obviously relevant to uh, the podcast you're on right now. Uh, we're recording this tail end of 2022. Uh, kind of, for lack of a better designation, maybe our first what feels like, want to say the term post-pandemic year, even though we're still in it. When we think about struggle and we think about hurdles and you think about the past year, what would you say your perhaps biggest struggle has been and maybe the hurdle that uh, really feels like you've conquered? Wow, that's a good question. You really, you, you're packing them in here at the end. I'm that's here for a, you. That's a good one. I'm, I'm winding, I always wind down strong. I know. Um, I would say it's been um, being okay with admitting how tired I am. Yeah. I, I would say um, what, what often happens, and it makes sense, I mean, and we'll get rid of the waiver of we know we're still in the, the pandemic, but to your point that things are opening up, mm -hmm. People are traveling, people are going to races, they're coming together. Um, I think what happens sometimes is when you've been like clenching for a really, really, really long time and you're really tight and you're kind of in a ball and you're, and then finally you, you relax. Relaxing the tension doesn't mean you're relaxed. 
And a lot of times what happens is once you finally relax that tension that you've been holding in, that's when you finally realize you're exhausted. And I don't think any of us have really given ourselves the grace to just admit, I know we're on the other side, but now I can finally admit I'm really tired. I think we got to a point where we were okay with admitting I'm scared, I'm stressed, but it's really exhausting to be scared. It's really exhausting to be stressed. And I think the next thing I think we all have to be okay with admitting is I am really tired. And we're not at our best when we're tired. And I think until we give ourselves the ability to recover from that, we're not going to recover. Yeah. So for me, it's been a little bit on and off of um, just realizing that it's not that I don't have anything to write or I don't have anything to say or that, you know, gosh, I'm not inspired to go to work today. I'm just tired. And a lot of times we can blame all these other things like why have I lost inspiration? Why am I not motivated? Why am I not doing good work? And it's you're tired. It doesn't mean you're bad at your job. It doesn't mean you're a bad runner. It doesn't mean you're a bad partner. You're tired. And it's just like anything else. I mean, you'd think runners, we would figure this out because after a hard workout, what's the number one thing to do? Recover. And we just went through a really hard workout that lasted a couple years and we still haven't recovered. So I would say one of my goals, oddly enough, is I, I would hope 2023 gets us further and further away from all of uh, the hardest parts of the past few years. But I, I, I would say that the, the best work and the best efforts I'm going to be able to give are going to be efforts and work towards recovering. Yeah. When someone tells you that, like, I'm tired, they, yeah. they're at the admit, they, yeah. they admit it, right? Yeah. What happens after they admit it? Like, how, how do you move forward then? Well, I think you, you celebrate the work they're going to do to recover. Cause I think we, we, we do not equate them equally and we should. So we look at like, if you're going to, if you're going to do something hard, that's badass. Recovery is like a sign of weakness. And it's like, not recovery is like, I think that what I think if people realize it, like not everything's about running, but we're going to make it about running right here. Um, great running is dependent on great recovery. And if you want consistently, good running you have to consistently recover so i think some of it is is being like a champion for recovery making recovery badass making people know that they can be just as passionate about recovering as they can about building up fatigue because that's all we do no one says like i got 10 hours of sleep and someone's like good for you people are like i worked 90 hour weeks you're a badass well what if somebody works their ass off and never gets told they need to recover. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, they're not gonna be able to work their ass off for very long. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think that's impressive. I don't think you working hard for a week and crashing is, is impressive. Mm -hmm. I think you can be way more intelligent about it and probably work really well all year round with great recovery. So if you wanna you know, showboat that you get four hours of sleep as opposed to spacing out the work over a period of time and, and getting eight hours of sleep, I don't know. I'm in the eight hour camp because I, I want to see you back here. And because I know what happens. I know what happens for me personally. I know what happens from working with athletes. I know what happens with working at Nike when people work too hard for too long. They don't last. And what you want to do is you want to last. This yeah. isn't about today. This is about a lifetime. Yeah. So if you are putting yourself out there and you're being called to, to do a lot of work, understand that the best way to take advantage of the work you did is to recover with just as much passion and focus as you did working to accomplish all those things. And then just in general, I think we need to, like I said, I think we need to be calling each other out in a good way about recovering like badasses. It's not just about running or working like a badass, recover like a badass. You know, when someone comes into work and they're ready to rock, Yeah, they're inspiring. And it is a halo effect on everyone else. You also know when someone's dragging and refuses to recover. Yeah. You know where it ends. It doesn't end with them doing great work. It, does, it, it ends with them missing work. Badass recovery. Badass recovery. Let's go for it. <laughs> 2023. That's what it's all about. Final two questions. All right. Usually I ask someone how they feel when they look in the mirror, what they see looking back at them. I've asked you that question before, so I'm not going to do it today. Okay. But what I am going to ask you as a dad mm -hmm. and a coach, yep. when your two daughters look in the mirror tomorrow morning before they head out and run NXN, 
what do you want them to see looking back at them? I, I want them to be proud of themselves before the, the, before the race. I, 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 I want them to be as proud of them as I am of them. I want, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's weird to say this, but I would love for them to look in the mirror and see them the way I see them because they're fucking rock stars, you know, like flat out and they can hear daddy curse because they are, they're fucking rock stars. Like, and, and I want them to know that. And I think that's, and I'm going to expand it out. I'm not limiting that to my two girls on the line. Every girl on that line needs to look at themselves and think that because the fact is they are, this isn't blowing smoke up anybody's butt. You're rock stars and you can go to the regional meets and all those girls who took the line there, they're freaking rock stars. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is, they're not normal. And I mean that in the best possible sense, they're not ordinary. Okay. Because not everyone is taking these starting lines. I wish they would but they're not. So until that happens, they're extraordinary. And if you marry the words, it means extraordinary, but most of them probably don't look at the mirror and think that. And part of it is because the world they live in where you're an athlete, everyone's doing this. But if they could just take a step back and I have the luxury of doing that because I'm not them looking in the mirror, I'm looking at them looking in the mirror. I know not everyone does this. I know that's extraordinary. And I just wish all of these kids knew what they're doing and who they are is extraordinary because life's going to try to convince you that you're not. But if you at least have these moments where you can say, I was in that moment, that's all it takes to get you out of those holes, which is super important. So that would be what I would hope that they see, what I see. All right. I love that. Extraordinary. That's all we want to be. Yeah. And you only need to be at once. Well, and the cool thing is, is again, not to get overly cheesy here, but I'm going to get a little over cheesy. I'm here. down with it. And again, I'm a dictionary guy. Okay. People should look up the definition of extraordinary. Simply being who you are quantifies as extraordinary because you are the only person like you. And I know that people can hear that. And sometimes it's like on a post with a cat, like going after a ball of yarn and it can seem very cheesy. But the fact of the matter is it's legit. There isn't anybody like you. And the more you try to be like other people, the less extraordinary you become. So don't be afraid of being yourself because that is literally how you become extraordinary. And if you don't agree with me saying that, go to the dictionary and then you can write Webster's and you can argue with them because that's the definition, y'all. Okay? Be yourself. You're extraordinary. Bennett doesn't want you in his DMs arguing with him. No, don't nah. argue with me about the dictionary because I'm going to win. Okay, the dictionary <laughs> is like my assistant coach. So I love that. don't bring that. Bring something else. Rather than ask you about advice that you would have offered to yourself, like I usually close the end of every podcast. Again, tail end of the year here. So we're going to close it big. We're going to think forward. 2023, you bring with you one word into the new year. What is your word? How are you shaping up 2023? Give it to me. Wow. That's a, that's another good one. These are the, these are the hard ones. You know, it's like when people are like, what's your favorite song? And you're like, can I give you four? And they're like, no, you can't, you can give me one. So I can Yours carry one word. Springsteen. I know it, it definitely is, which <laughs> dates me, but I, I have so many pockets. I can bring more words into 2023, but I will, um, I'll probably say joy, you know, I, I think joy and I think joy takes, uh, I think I like joy because it, in, there's a verb form to it, which is rejoice. And I, I, I think that would probably be the combo that I'll bring joy in and I'm a verbs guy. So I'll turn it into kind of a, uh, an action and it'll be rejoice. And, and that's, I, I think I want to kind of, uh, I, I think it takes some guts to rejoice. I think a lot of times you, 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 you bring down the wattage of your bulb based on the people around you. Cause you don't, it's like when you're on a plane and you want to read, but the people next to you are asleep and you're like, I'm not going to turn that light on, but now you're robbing yourself of reading. And it's like, screw you, turn the light on. You can read, you know, you're on a plane. And I think for me, that's like 2023 is like, I'm it's, I think it's infectious. Um, to, to rejoice about things, mm -hmm. but I also think it's an opportunity maybe to let people know what they're doing brings me joy, 
which in turn hopefully brings them joy. And it's just like this cascade effect. And then maybe, I don't know, maybe instead of it being like a 30 watt year, it's like a 100 watt year from all of this. I don't know, but that's what I would, I'm gonna say joy with uh, the, the, the verb form rejoice maybe as, as being my, my action item. Coach Bennett says, turn the light on. Turn your light on. Turn yeah. your light if on. If we turn enough lights on, then we can all read. You know what I mean? So it's all good. <laughs> and you can BYO Dictionary too. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Bring your own dictionary. Look, it's a great book. And, and not to end this on a dictionary note, but it, 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 the dictionary can be one of your great assistant coaches. We use a lot of words. We don't really understand the depth of what we're saying. There's a lot of cool words out there, and um, but it also gives a little bit more meaning to what you're trying to say. So get a dictionary and a real one with like papers and a cover and all that stuff. Don't use your phone. <laughs> Don't you use know your what phone. I mean? And because it's also pompous and anyone that sees you with a dictionary, one, they're going to hate you, but two, they're going to also respect you, which is kind of cool. It's this weird thing because who sits around reading a dictionary? I mean, what a weirdo. I'm so not even mad that we're ending here. Yeah, I don't even know what I'm talking about at this point. So, <laughs> Bennett, how do the hurdlers, if they do not yet follow you, keep up with you? How do they follow along with you? Give us your details. Well, I, I'm on Instagram, and if you're expecting like really awesome pictures, you, the pictures are mediocre. But I I, I write a lot on but the Instagram. Captions, yeah, I'm one of those people. So if you're not a big, you know, Instagram, you're not going there for like some epic, you know, tome, then you're don't follow me. But I'm on Instagram. That's probably the main place. I'm inside the NRC app, so um, I will meet you at the starting line. All you need to do is go to a guided run and and press start. And there are all sorts. There's a one minute run. There's a one k run. There's a first run. There's like we said, a don't want to run run. There's a struggle run that just came out. Yeah, whatever whatever you need. I mean, the runs are there for for not anything more than just what the runner needs in the moment. So. If you're willing to meet me at the starting line, I'll go for a run with you there. But th those are those are the main main places. And I'm on Hurdle. So, I mean, like, you know, that's you can meet me there, too. Just to let you know, there was another one that we did. So if there's, you ever want to do that, there's two. two. You're right. There's two a shorter the one, too. And if you want to get to know Coach Bennett's wife. Yeah, that's Coach Bennett, the greater. Um, that's Tammy. So she's, she's the, on Hurdle, too. She was on the Hurdle, and she's uh, Show Up Society. So, yeah, that's. But give me a little time first, because when you go to her, you're not going to come back to me. So just <laughs> give me a little bit of love first, and then you can bail. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Yes. And let me just also tell you, uh, thank you for what you do, because it, it, it means a lot, and uh, it, it inspires people, I think, more than you probably know. So keep doing what you're doing. Role models, man. There we all go. need them. It's not in the job description, but it's part of the job. <laughs> Catch you guys next time. <laughs>